believe. According to the working of his might, which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. As the pandemic has produced a new normal of life, I pray, my prayer, my deepest conviction and prayer is that this pandemic has produced a new type of praise in our hearts. My, my prayer is that you can look back and say that God's been too good for me to shut my mouth. God's been too great for me to not open up my mouth and there. God's been too good to me to not tell somebody. God has been so faithful. How dare I not cry out? But Jesus said, if you ain't going to cry out, the rocks will cry out. He don't need your praise. Don't think you're doing God no favors this morning by showing up. He don't need your praise because the rocks will cry out. And my God's been too good. My God's been too great. My God's been too awesome for me to give him a regular praise. Forgive me for me to give him an ordinary praise. My God has been too good to walk in and shut up. I'm going to testify. I'm going to declare. I'm going to cry out that God is good. He's been too good. He's been too good. He's been too good. This, this pandemic is just a, a concentration of a microcosm of life, and it's just concentrated pressure. And in the midst of this pandemic, you've done one or two things. Either you've grown closer to Jesus or you fell further away from him. Ain't no in-between. Because the streams of life was moving so tough that either, either you jumped in and you said, Lord, I'm not going to fall back. I'm going to pursue you and I'm going to seek you even in the midst. Or you was like, well, everything's closed today. I, I guess I can't worship. I guess I can't praise. I guess I can't read. I guess I can't call and confess the name of the Lord. Either you are grow, have grown closer or you've fallen away. And my prayer is that this new normal, look y'all, things ain't going back to normal. We are in a new normal. It, I, someone was teaching in a meeting on Friday, and what they said, it just struck me. It's like the Lord has given us permission to change from the ordinary. And I believe that the Lord has given this church permission to change instead of, instead of just going about the things like we've been doing for 154 years. Just maybe, just maybe, Mike, the Lord wants you to be different and changed and, and not the same. Maybe the Lord actually wants you to sit in the new seat. I'm so glad we don't got roles right now because you can't claim your seat. You can't say to nobody, that's my seat. And I dare you, and when you come back in, don't you dare tell anybody that's my seat. You ain't got no seat. 
That's Jesus' seat. And you just burned it for an hour. That, this ain't your house. This is Jesus' house. And we just are able to gather. If anything, this pandemic showed me that God ain't playing with us. He ain't playing with you no more. Either we're going to worship or not. Either we're going to love Jesus or not. Either, either he, he is either King of kings and Lord of lords or not. And we have to be the church that says, Lord, lead us. Lead us into this new day where we have the privilege and opportunity to be a beacon of light and hope. But for all those who are in the midst of misery and hopelessness, if the, if the church can't shine now, I don't know when the church would ever be able to shine. If you can't let your light so shine right now, then I don't know whenever we're going to let our light shine. If, if, if you can't sing this little light of mine, I'm gonna, if you can't sing that right now, I don't know whenever we could sing that song and really mean it. We have a great opportunity to be those faithful witnesses to the Lord right now. And I'm so glad that the Lord has called us, called you, has called me for such a time as this. Amen. Can we get a Lord hand clap of praise today? Thank you so much to our praise team, Sister Jackie, for, for leading us this morning, preparing our hearts. So grateful. Um, so as we, as we kick off, I wanted to um, pause, indeed, for a moment of reflection. And as a congregation, to offer up prayers of adoration unto the Lord. You know, in our acronym, the ACTS acronym that we use to to help show people how, uh, how to pray or just a, a structured way of praying to kind of help. And you have your acts, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Supplication being those requests that you're asking of the Lord. And over the next few weeks, I just want us to, to break that down and just pause and just to pray one of those prayers. And today I want us to pray a prayer of adoration, uh, a, a prayer where you're not necessarily, you're not asking for anything. You're not, you're not so much thanking him for anything. You're just, about the, at the fruit of your lips, you're just declaring who God is. It's just simple things like, Lord, you are faithful. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are kind. Lord, you're, you're forgiving. You're merciful. And, you, and you're just declaring the goodness of God. So I, I and I don't want to do this for you. I want us just to pause for a moment, right where you are, just out loud, just begin to declare your adoration for the Lord. Just begin to pray unto the Lord this prayer of adoration. I don't know exactly what you've been through, but you know. You know where the Lord brought you from this past year. You, you, you know where, what God has been doing in your heart and in your life. I, I, I can't take your praise. I can't praise in your place. This, that's something only you can do right now. So that, let's just, just pause right now and just thank the Lord uh, through this prayer of adoration. Just begin blessing the Lord right where you are. 
Just cry out to him right where you are. Lord, you're good. Lord, you're merciful. Oh, you're faithful. And I will bless the Lord. Oh, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Lord, you are from everlasting to everlasting. You're mighty. Declare that to the Lord. Spend time right now just declaring, just blessing his name, opening up your mouth. I dare you to give him praise. I dare you to offer the fruit of your lips. I dare you to offer the fruit of your heart right now. The word declares that the Lord inhabits the praise of his people. Just bless him right now. Bless him right where you are at home. Just bless him. so good. You've been so good. You've been so good. You've been so good to you. Has he been good to you? You because he saved our soul. You saved my soul. You saved my soul. You saved my soul. You saved my soul. I just want to thank you. Has he made a way out of no way? Has he made a way? You made a way. You made a way. 
time. Thank you, Lord. Sing like you mean it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to Hallelujah. 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 Indeed, God has been good. He's been faithful. And he has allowed us the privilege to gather once again in the building. We in the building. It's good to be in the building once again. To those who are still watching via our uh, online, uh, our stream. Thank you for joining with us today. And I just welcome you to this church regathered at Forest Baptist. Amen. Well, grab your Bibles. We won't be long. Matthew, the 13th chapter. We're finishing up this chapter. Matthew, the 13th chapter. We'll just be looking at verses 44 through 50. Verses 44 through 50. If you are able to stand, please stand in honor of the reading of God's word today. Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 44 through 50. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field, which a man found and covered up. And in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good con into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. May the Lord a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. The title of today's text is simply the kingdom is worth the cost the kingdom is worth the cost let us pray father in heaven we do adore you and we thank you for the privilege to gather once again as this community of christ followers and father i ask that you would indeed be with us in this place pour out your holy spirit in new refreshing and awesome ways Father, may you have mercy upon us by giving us supernatural eyes to see and ears to hear your word this morning. Father, have mercy upon me, this lowly 
servant of yours, Lord. You've given me the privilege to preach your word. Help, help me to do so according to your will and your desires. Hide me behind the cross. Father, thank you for all that uh, who have been able to come out, gathered to worship. Uh, Lord, thank you for how you have given your angels charge over them this past year. Father, thank you for those who are uh, with us via uh, our streaming platforms. Father, right now, I just ask that you will take us into a new type of praise. Please give us a new type of worship. Father, if you would be so kind and, and so merciful, please place a new song on, upon our hearts. A song filled with joy and gladness at the fact that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are ruling and reigning supreme. And Father, I ask that you would take your word this morning uh, as I feebly declare it, that it would go forth, but it, it would accomplish much, and that the burdens of this life will be minute compared to the glory of King Jesus this morning. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. If all of God's people said together, amen. Amen. You know that the news cycle moves so fast and so rapidly. Things that were big news just on Monday are at the back, on the back page by now. Uh, but I want you to think back. Think back to, was it February, March, when all the talk about the stock market was going on and they was talking about like GameStop and, and, and how the price was skyrocketing. Think about, go back to that, that, that time and and, and I want you to consider how during that time, what was taking place was that this, this brick-and-mortar store, this GameStop, uh, this gaming store, uh, was, was seen by Wal uh, Wall Street investors as something that was not worth investing in. And not only was it not worth investing in, but they began to bet that this store would go out of business. And they would, uh, they had begun what they call short selling. I'm not going to go into the details of all of that, but they began to short sell their stock in order to make a profit off of that business going out of business. And basically, there were some folks online in this Reddit group who, who got together and said, you know what, we're sick and tired of Wall Street determining businesses going uh, out of business or staying in business. We're sick and tired of Wall Street making all the money. Let us get together, and what we're going to do is because they, be, they had short-sailed the stock, if we buy up the stock, the stock and cause the prices to rise, those people who were investing that way would begin to lose money. And sure enough, those companies and hedge funds and, and corporate uh, investors began to lose not, not thousands, not hundred thousands, not millions, but billions of dollars. And some of those uh, hedge funds had to be rescued by other hedge funds, and hedge funds, and people had to invest other money. And when they invested other money, that drove up the money, the price of the stock also. So the cycle of this over-evaluation uh, for this stock was causing all kinds of chaos. But what, what resulted out of that is uh, those who bet against GameStop, lost billions. But then also, eventually, those who caused the stock to be overinflated or overinvalued, they began to lose money as well. And, 
And like I said, the news cycle just kind of changed. And if you were to look today, GameStop just kind of where it was before. And, 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 and a lot of people's life have been changed over that temporary investment. Hold on to that. Their long-term outcomes have been completely changed because of that momentary investment. When we think about the temporalness of the moment and how a momentary decision can affect your entire life. And these momentary decisions have long-term outcomes and it affects your lives and my life. See, in a sense, when we think about that over-evaluation and how those momentary investments affect the outcome of their lives, uh, we live our lives in a similar fashion, right? We live our lives in a way where we often invest in money. We invest our money, our time, and, and temporary passions. And from those temporary passions, we only lose in the long-term cycle of life. With the volatility of life, volati yeah, volatility of life, things aren't really meant to be sure things. Someone comes to you with an investment, I got a sure thing. You know how what they say, if it's too good to be true, it's probably not true. And, 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 but we have a way of, of being short-sighted when it comes to our own lives, but especially short-sighted when it comes to Jesus. And out of all these things that really aren't worth what they say they're worth, the scriptures do tell me that there is only one really worth my time, my talents, and my treasure. There's really only one that is worth uh, our long-term investment because of the certainty of the return that comes. That's because there is no overvaluation when it comes to Jesus. You can't, you can't overvalue Jesus because he is supreme in value. He is the, the central, most valuable uh, thing in all of creation. He is the center of all. And because all, the text of Scripture says all things are from you and through you and to you, because he's the center of all things, he can't be overvalued because he is that which is most valuable. Jesus. And in the text before us this morning, Jesus is, uh, he wants you and I to know and understand the, the immeasurable worth that is found when we come to him and enjoy the coming of the kingdom of heaven. Our big idea this morning is simply the supreme value of the kingdom of heaven makes it worth the cost. Because the kingdom of heaven is so valuable, it's worth whatever cost. And in the text, we see a couple examples of what Jesus is trying to, to explain this to his disciples. Because here you have a people who, they, they've never really known uh, material prosperity, right? These are uh, the Jewish people. They've been following Jesus as rabbi. They are uh, uh, marginalized and oppressed under Roman rule. So really the only people that have maybe have a little something are those who have sold out the Jews, become tax collectors, or they're ruling over the Jews harsh, harsh, harshly like the other Romans. So here, here you have a people that's primed to, to, to hear about something is better. 
And it's, it's not just better. It's a, a whole lot better than, than where you are. It's, you know, it, it, can, it, it makes sound like that, 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 that mythical lottery ticket that you've been looking to buy for a long time. Oh, if I could just hit those numbers. I, I, I know somebody, they, they, they hit a lick, and they was paid, you know. And, like, for, 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 just think about for every lottery ticket we buy, like, really, how many people really are getting paid? But we're willing to make that quick investment on, on a long shot. But here Jesus is in front of his disciples says, I ain't no long shot. I'm a sure thing. Are you willing to invest in me like you were willing to invest in everything else? You invest in everything else for the hope of a return, but I have arrived and I am guaranteeing you a return on your investment. If you place your faith and trust in me, I will never let you down. You will not come up short. This is what Jesus is saying in the text. And he's saying that the arrival of his kingdom changes both their immediate and future fortunes. Remember the context, Jesus is, he's, he's continuing to preach and teach in parables. And those parables, they're an earthly story conveying a heavenly meaning. This, these are practical stories with, the, with, with a spiritual truth at its center. And Jesus has been teaching in parables to do two things, to, to make the crowd distinct. Those who were just part of the crowd would hear the parables and not fully understand what Jesus is trying to communicate to them. But then those who were his disciples, because uh, Jesus had, uh, by the power of his Holy Spirit, had enlightened their minds, they, they began to hear the parables and understand where Jesus was coming from. So the same is here. Jesus is actually just kind of with his disciples now, and he is teaching, he is teaching them in parables that give them further clarity on the value of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus wants them to know the kingdom is valuable, more valuable than any other nation, more valuable than any uh, gross domestic product of a nation. The kingdom of heaven is more valuable. Why? Well, let's talk quickly about, well, what is the kingdom of heaven? We can throw that out there, right? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, those, those are synonymous names for the sovereign rule of God over all of creation. Uh, th those are interchangeable names for how Jesus has come in and he has uh, initiated the coming of the kingdom of heaven, the coming of his future and sovereign rule through his earthly ministry. But ultimately, it's going to be consummated when the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and Christ. So the kingdom of heaven is the coming, is the, the approaching complete rule of Jesus over all things. It has already started, and, and, and it is spreading slowly, and we can either be part of that kingdom or will we, be cast, we will be cast out of that kingdom. The kingdom of heaven, but listen to this, because the kingdom of heaven is so much more than just your personal salvation. The kingdom of heaven is so much bigger than just your personal piety. I've been saying this a lot lately. The kingdom of heaven is more than just what you don't do because you, you are a good Christian. The kingdom of heaven is about a way of life that, is it, that, that, that follows the sovereign rule and reign of the Lord and is marked not just by what you don't do, 
but it's marked more so by what you do. It's marked by how you live out your Christian life, how uh, you are letting your light shine, how you are serving the Lord, how the glory of Christ is being disseminated and put on display from your life. That's what it's really about. That's why God is all about his glory, and that's why he wants us to glorify him, that as we live these lives, people won't see us, but they will see King Jesus. So it's not about you, and it's not about me, but it's about Jesus. And, but, but, but the only way we get there is by living this life for all to see. This rule that the Bible talks about, this kingdom of heaven, if we were to look at Revelation, the 11th chapter, Verse 15 tells us, then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world, I love this, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That means justice all the time, righteousness all the time, healthiness all the time, holiness, all the time, rightness and, and correctness and kindness and all the time. There will be no more drama in the king's kingdom. This is what he is saying. That's living in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus wants you and I to know that's valuable. Isn't that valuable? Well, well let me ask you this. How valuable is, is, is some of your peace and quiet? Being holed up in a house with people for this past year, I don't know if you got much peace and quiet, have you? How valuable would it have been if you was to have a day all by yourself to do whatever you want to do? Like you wouldn't have to uh, be adulting or anything. You, you could just do what you wanted to do for that day. That would be valuable. But here King Jesus is saying, you, when, when it comes to you wanting stuff, you actually, you actually want too low because you're thinking about your means. Just think about having the king's means and what value that means. The king's means. He could do, as the text of Scripture says, above and beyond uh, abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Jesus is waiting for do things you you. Jesus is waiting to do things for you right now that will blow your mind. You can't even comprehend how good Jesus wants to be to you. That's the value of the kingdom. And that's why here in verse 44, we see that the kingdom of heaven, when the text of scripture says, try me and see, oh, mm, try me and see, and I will pour out a blessing from heaven, from the windows of heaven, that you won't have room. In the midst of this pandemic, Jesus has been telling somebody, Jesus has been telling everybody, try me. You think the pandemic gets the final word. You think the government gets the final word. You think that what's going on around, I have the final, try me and see that even in the midst of a pandemic and economic depression, I'm still good. And then Jesus tells the story of the second man that he's some type of merchant. He's uh, 
seller of antiquities, seller of fine goods. He, he, he lives in Jerusalem's Beverly Hills, Rodeo's Drive, and he, he, he has all the nicest things, but he, he still, he, he knows that though he has these nice pearls now, there's still something out there greater. And it says that he goes and he's searching for this pearl of great value, and then he finds it. What I like about the text is that this man recognizes the pearl of the greatest value. So in order for him to know how valuable this pearl was, he would have had to experience something about uh, 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 selling pearls or buying pearls. Uh, he would have to know, uh, what, you know what constitutes a pearl that would be valuable. He would have to have known, well, how much the pearls sell for in the past and uh, what are some of the markets saying about pearls? Because when he sees this pearl, he stops and says, this is it. And some of us have been searching so long for a joy, for something that can fill us up and that will not leave us wanting. And we've been looking and searching but if you don't know what you need to be looking for, you'll just keep on searching even when the best thing is right in front of you. So what are you saying, Pastor? Some of us miss the goodness of Jesus because we really don't know how good he is. And the only way we can know how good Jesus is is if we begin to open up these 66 books and place our face in the text and see how good God is. This God who said, let there be and there was. This God that says, open up and go through. This God who says, I got a, a promised land for you. If we don't know how good God is, then we won't know what we need to be looking for. He, he sees his pearls, he stops, and he says, I'm going to give up everything for this pearl. Notice. It said, he went and sold all that he had. He's a pearl merchant, right? So I'm assuming he would have some pearls. He was willing to give up those pearls of lesser value in order to gain the pearl of the greatest value. In our lives, we got some pearls. <laughs> things that we value above all. Things like things that are really important to us. And, 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 and these pearls aren't always tangible. Sometimes these pearls are called a, a, a slick tongue. Sometimes these pearls may be a root of bitterness in our hearts. So, sometimes these pearls may be an attitude. Sometimes these pearls may be an addiction. Sometimes these pearls may be a relationship. Sometimes these pearls may be some type of clothing or, or some type of job or some type of... Uh, sometimes these pearls are, are things that aren't really tangible, but we will hold on to them above everything else. When Jesus is saying, I want to give you the pearl of greatest value, but you got to get rid of all those lesser pearls. Jesus is calling us to let go of that which is lesser in order to gain that which is greater. So here's the story. You have a lot of similarities because they both find the treasure. One found the treasure by mistake and one 
uh, found a treasure by uh, inten- being intentional and persevering, one uh, comes, I guess you can say, to the treasure empty with nothing, and the other comes to the treasure with everything, but they both are willing to sell whatever they had for the greater value. The kingdom of heaven is something worth losing everything for. This is where Paul says in Philippians 3 and 8, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Why? Why do you count them as rubbish, Paul? So that you will be, uh, uh, be known on, on the Internet, so that you will have a position of prominence, so you will be uh, in front of everybody. everybody. No, he says, I count everything as loss in order that I may gain Christ. Jesus is saying because the kingdom of heaven is worth more than anything else, his disciples should be willing to give up any and everything to receive it. This is what the psalmist says in Psalm 73, 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. Is that your heart posture towards the Lord? Father, I don't just want to go to heaven because it's the land of no more. I don't, I don't want to go to heaven just to see uh, my old relatives that have went before me. I don't want to go to heaven just because I, I know how much fun I have. I, I, I want to be in heaven because that's where you are. That's the type of heart that Jesus wants us to have. Why are we doing all of this? Not for brownie points, not for badges, because we want to seek the face of Jesus. See, but most times, your sin against God is a valuation problem. And we value the things of this world more than we value Jesus in that moment. In that moment, our pride is worth more. In that moment, my desire is worth more. In that moment, my reputation is worth more. In that moment, my pleasure is worth more. So I choose myself over the surpassing worth of Jesus in that moment. But when we begin to see Jesus for the uh, valuable uh, uh, person that he is in the kingdom as supreme in value, we will be able to choose King Jesus over the things that we used to want. Secondly, the, uh, the kingdom of heaven has supreme value, but then the kingdom of heaven has a supreme cost. Because in verses 47 through 50, Jesus tells the story of fishermen out on their boat, and they have cast a net out. And uh, it's not just like one of those little nets. It's a huge, it would have been a huge net, and probably a couple of different boats working together to get that net out there. And uh, in the middle, it was just made it be a rope, but on the end, it was weighted. So then as they cast out this huge net, the ends began to go down really slow. But then as it got to the bottom, everything that was in, in between is caught. And the text says they, they had this, this big catch, and they began to bring it in. But before, that they, could, before they could go to the market, what the, the Jews had to do was to separate the good and bad fish. And what they're saying is it's not good and bad in the sense of uh, healthy or sickly fish, 
But because of the Mosaic law in Leviticus 11, it tells them that you are not to eat anything without fins and scales. So you have to eat fish. You can't eat like sharks. You can't eat like eels. You can't eat like catfish. I know like, some of y'all are like, I couldn't be a Jew. I can't eat no catfish. But it had to have fins and scales. So when he's talking about separating the good from the bad, he's talking about separating that which was clean, that which was clean, and that which was unclean. So as they come to that moment where they're separating the clean and the unclean, Jesus uses that as a metaphor of what it's going to be like at the end of the age. The end of the age is the day that King Jesus, he comes, he rules and reigns, and he judges all things. It's that uh, Revelation text that we just read, when Jesus comes and he makes all things his. Because in Revelation, when you look at twenty twenty one, you see that there's a moment where the book of life is opened. And there's a roster of names. And then the, the judge checks the, the book of life to see if your name is in that book. And if your name is not in that book, he's depart from me. I never knew you. And this is what Jesus is saying. See, the, the supreme cause of the kingdom of heaven coming is the fact that if you have not laid down your life for the forgiveness of sin, you will be cast out of the kingdom. And, and you know, not to, not to dress it up, not to pretty it up, but, but what he's saying is uh, those who are not clean, those who are not of the good, will be separated for eternal damnation in hell with Satan and his demons. As simple as that. How do we know? Because he says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell is real, y'all. Hell is real. And if I could be just like 100, just super honest, hell is real and we know a lot of people going. And we have yet to share the gospel with them. John Bunyan, in his, one of his books, he was kind of recounting what hell would be like. And he says, in hell, thou shalt have none but a company of damned souls with an innumerable company of devils to keep company with thee. While thou art in this world, the very thought of the devil's appearing to thee makes thy flesh to tremble and thine hair ready to stand upright on thy, on, on thy head. But, oh, what wilt thou do when not only the uh, supposition of the devil's appearing, the, the reality of the devil's appearing, but the real society of all the devils of hell would be there with thee? You worried about being in hell with the devil? Well, the devil and all his demons going to be there, too. howling, roaring, and screeching in such a hideous manner that thou wilt be even at thy wit's end and ready to run stark mad again and again for anguish and torment. If after 10,000 years an end should come, there would be comfort. But here is thy misery. Here thou must be forever. When thou seest what an innumerable company of howling devils thou art amongst, thou shalt think this again. 
this is my portion forever. When thou has been in hell so many thousand years, as there are starts in the firmament or drops in the sea or sands on the seashore, yet thou hast to lie there forever. Oh, this one word, ever. How will it torment thy soul? Hell is real. And hell is forever. And Jesus is pleading with us today to receive the kingdom and live or reject the kingdom and die. And here it is, we who have the truth will keep it to ourselves, knowing, knowing family, friends, and loved ones are headed to hell right now. Jesus is saying there's a supreme cost to rejecting the free offer of salvation from your sins. Beloved, the reality is, you know what? Some things are worth dying for. But is your sin one of them? Have you considered the weightiness of this? Just three little parables. But Jesus is pleading with us today. Come to me. Come to me. Come into the kingdom. I want you to think about this. Two things specifically. Have you undervalued the freedom found in the sovereign rule of Jesus? Do you really realize that there's actually freedom in Jesus' rule? He wants to set you free. He has come to set captives free. Have you undervalued that? But then secondly, has your investment of love for Jesus grown or diminished over time? You know, Mark 8, verses 34 through 38 says this. One of my favorite texts. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the the holy angels. Jesus is saying, like, really, what's, what's most valuable? Your soul or everything that you can gain in this world? But praise God. We know the greatest cost that anyone can pay for anything is their life. See, and that's the good news, right? That's the good news of the gospel. Because the good news of the gospel says it is for that exact reason Jesus' life was given. And he willingly paid the cost for you and for me. 
through the cross, Jesus is offering you a great exchange. Jesus is saying, because I was willing to pay the price, because I lost my life, you can actually live. Are you ready to trade in your sin for my salvation? Are you willing to, to, to repent and to turn from living for yourself to live for me now? But here's what I love about Jesus so much. Not only does he take you from darkness and into his marvelous life through his blood that was shed on Calvary's cross, the fact that he was raised high and stretched wide, the fact that he was placed in a tomb on Good Friday, but he rose three days later with all power in his hand. That, but that's, 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 that's still just the beginning of the story. Because when, he, when, he rose with, when God raised him from the grave with all power in, in his hand, he now has complete authority. And in that authority, he pours out his Holy Spirit, and through the Holy Spirit, he provides grace for those who do trust him. So not only is he willing to exchange your sin for salvation, he is willing to exchange your shame for sanctification. He is willing to take all that condemnation, all that guilt from how you used to be. He's willing to take all that, all that depression, all that guilt, all that I ain't worth nothing, all that I shouldn't have, all that regret. He's willing to take all of that off you and to give you his Holy Spirit that fills you to sanctify you, to remind you who you belong to. And the Holy Spirit reminds you that I'm a king's kid and I'm already walking in victory. I'm just, I'm just going through the game right now because I've already won. I see the end of the book and Jesus rules and reigns supreme. And and through sanctification, we now, as Romans 8 and 28, tell, 29 tells us, are being conformed to the image of his glory. That's what it means to be a king's kid, that you are being shaped and sanctified to look like our big brother Jesus. He doesn't leave you in the shame. He doesn't leave you in the muck. He doesn't leave you in the mire. He says, I'm going to bring you out. But not only will I bring you out, I'm going to wash you up. Not only am I going to wash you up, I'm going to give you a new robe. I'm giving you a white robe, and you're going to walk on the streets of gold with your new walk and with your new talk. Oh, some days my wife comes in, and she done did some extra stuff. I said, look at you. I just look at you. Look at you, girl. And you're going to walk in the glory with your new robe. You're going to walk in the glory with your new crown. You're going to walk in the glory with your new spare shoes. You think your shoes sweet? Nah. You're going to walk in with, with, the, with, the, with the, the shoes of peace, the gospel of peace. And they're they going to say, oh, look at you. Look at you now. I know what you was. I know where you came from. I know what you used to be. I know how you, you, know, you only walk looking down because of the shame and the guilt. But now that the Savior hung high, stretched wide, because Jesus went up, you can look up too with no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, at the cross, at the cross, oh, at the cross. At the cross of Christ. It's the great exchange. He takes our sin and gives us salvation. He takes our shame and gives us sanctification. 
I don't know what type of marketplace that is. But that don't happen on Wall Street, does it? You give them your worst, but they give you their best. Shoot, sometimes if you go in the store with a crinkle up dollar, they don't even want to take that. I'm like, but it's a dollar. It's still spin. No, oh, I got too many rips on it. Jesus is saying, I've taken all that away, and I've made you brand new. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Woo! I had that crimson stain on my heart. I had that crimson stain all over me. But he said, but, but he washed me. But he washed me. That's why the text says, by his stripes, we're healed. By his blood, we're made whole. By his blood, we have been cleansed. At the cross, at the cross of Christ, Jesus paid the price of sin that you may profit by receiving his presence in your life. If you belong to Jesus today, thank him. Thank him for paying the price for your sin. Thank him for paying the price for your sin and purchasing grace for you on Calvary. But if you're here and you've never come to Jesus through repentance and faith, then let this day be the day. The supreme value of the kingdom of heaven makes it worth the cost. Let us pray. Lord, you're so good and so faithful. Thank you for what you did at the cross. Where we first saw the light and the burdens of our heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. Father, thank you for the supreme worth of your kingdom, which is really just synonymous with your righteous rule. Thank you for making a way by dying on the Calvary's cross, but being raised on the third day. And that for all who would admit their sin and believe in you and call upon you, they will be saved. Thank you for that promise. Thank you for that secure investment for eternal glory. Father, have mercy on the remainder of our worship service today. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.